Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you're listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. It feels like a lifetime, a lifetime since I've been behind this mic and connecting with you, those who are listening in live and those who will later listen in on podcast. And so much has happened. The world, certainly our Jewish world, has flipped over onto its head and we keep twirling and twirling. In my time, I was almost three weeks in America and the pain the pain that Israel endured during that period, the national pain, the pain of brothers, the pain of an Am, as Israelis were slaughtered, slaughtered on their way to vacations, as we continue to protect, to cherish, to celebrate this we sliver of land, we still find ourselves under siege, even as we stand at the cusp of our 75th modern birthday. To be back in Israel, how can I describe it? How can I explain a feeling that comes when you go through airport gate to airport gate, through airport, through airport, and finally make it to that one waiting gate where Hasidim are praying in each corner of the waiting room, where mothers are stuffing food into mouths of children who probably haven't eaten in the last 14 minutes, where Hebrew is being spoken has been revitalized, brought to life, and people are telling jokes and carrying their duty-free bags. The final relaxation as we wait in that last lounge before the last leg, where we are suddenly no longer strangers, but leaving whatever is the host country we were visiting to come home home to the mess, to the noise, to the rancor, to the smells, to the tension and the laughter, the national mourning and the dancing in the streets, the wildness, the craziness, the inexplicable nature of beloved Israel. The beauty, the noise, the home, you land in America, a couple of Jews in the back of a little clap, 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 clap. Good job, pilot. But when the plane lands in Israel, you almost can feel from row one in that special class that I'm never allowed to sit in, all the way to my back row where I sat next to the bathroom. Everyone claps because it's more than a landing. It is a homecoming. 
in our romper room moment, just before I forget, lest I forget, I want to say good evening, good night, Boker Tov, to those listening from the States. Three weeks, <laughs> three weeks in America. I almost forgot my Hebrew, but became very aware that I'm no longer American. I know the history. I love America. I'm so grateful for having been born in such a principled, born of principle country. Eretz Israel, you're with me. Pakistan is with us today. Hi, Pakistan. Good morning. Canada. Yeah, we had a lot of discussion about Canada because I have a niece and nephew who now live in Detroit, Michigan, and I, I think they're like right over the border. Uh, Jamaica is with us. Very nice. Good morning, Germany. And somehow or other, Europe is listed as a country. So good morning, Europe. And of course, good morning, Brazil. Um, learned a lot on this trip. I found myself during this visit. Of course, the reason I went to America on Pesach, when Passover is really the time to be in Israel. The season changes, no trouble finding kosher food. Um, there's a looseness, a freeing, a shaking off of the winter blues as we embrace the coming season. In Israel, Pesach is also called, I think it's Chag Ha'aviv, the spring holiday. Um, in America, it wasn't so much, but I went to America to visit my elderly, um, alive, still with us, vibrant, funny mother in uh, Rockville, Maryland, and um, to spend this precious, this precious time with her. I was scared if I spent any more time in her senior residence. I found myself like admiring walkers and saying, I think I want that one. I think I want that one. But I mean the holy people who look after those who can no longer look after themselves. And for any reason, the world has changed, can't be living with family. Um, these are really holy, holy people. The aides, the nurses, the doctors, the dining room staff, the bus drivers, those who create the trips and the activities to keep lives vibrant for those who have given so much. And, you know, on one particularly tense morning, an aide came to the room. I, I must tell you, an aide came to the room to give mom her medication. And um, she uh, saw me. I was actually sleeping on the floor <laughs> for two weeks because I couldn't find a good place to sleep. So I found if I took the, uh, the pillows from the couch in the senior residence and I slept on the floor covered with a sheet, which was great. I got a really good night's sleep. The only problem is I have two artificial knees. Getting up was not so easy, but I was wakened every morning. And I remember one of these aides, this lovely woman from, I believe she was from either Tanzania or Cameroon. And she said to me, well, of course you're here. She took care of you your whole life. Now it's your turn to take care of her. And I thought to myself, why are we analyzing this anymore? It's so simple. We all have baggage. We all have history. What a wonderful thought. If we could look at one another, look at our parents, those who are still alive, and say, they took care of us. For better, for worse, stop the analysis. 
they took care of us. For those of us who have the merit in some way to take care of them back, give, 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 give all we can. Okay, so I found myself during this trip in the last few minutes, it was interesting because I was nervous going. I've had conflict in my family, an intensely personal show. I always have this conflict when I have religious family who for some reason, at least in my opinion, Israel and making Aliyah is not really on their radar. And um, I have... I suppose, for a lack of a better word, misbehaved at various yantif, uh, holiday and Shabbos tables, where, you know, I can barely breathe as people talk about their new homes and the gardeners. And I'm thinking, why not Israel? Why not Israel? Why are you not coming out of Israel? Why not coming to Israel, Israel, Israel? And my blessed brother, this year, ignored the anxiety of having me at the table. God bless him. He was supposed to ignore the anxiety of having me and my pompous arrogance at the table. And he looked around the table and he saw people born, an entire table filled with men and women, adult children and babies who arose from the decision of all of them to embrace religious, to embrace religious observance in a world that would tell us that we're primitive, in a world that would tell us that God is dead, in a world that would tell us that Jews are so antiquated and not joining. And here was a table that defied all of that, a table filled with balei tshuvot returning, those who return to Jewish observance and their children and their grandchildren. And he referred to them as heroes. And as much as I want every Jewish man, woman, and child to come home to an Israel that can handle them. Not all heroes wear capes. And my brother, my holy brother, reminded me without speaking directly to me, but I humbly took the message, a message to bring to you. Those who light the Sabbath candles in a world that has forgotten the Sabbath are heroes those men and women who choose to wear a head covering to proudly declare that they are dressing in accordance or a uniform of the Jewish nation. These are heroes. Those who reject the airplane food or do not walk into a non-kosher restaurant or merely decide to forego a cheeseburger for the rest of their life. These are heroes. Heroes come in so many ways. And just as Rabbi Torsky says in his book, Smiling Each Day, indeed, a guidepost, he says, a person is judged according to the way he relates to others. If you cannot overlook minor infractions that others have done to you, how can you expect God to forgive major infractions that you have committed in front of him? Today, we're going to speak about the evil that we bring into this world with the simplicity of sloppy speech and sloppy attitudes and maybe together arrive at holy conclusions. Guess what? I'll see you on the other side.
And we're back. Andrea Simonchov, pull up a chair, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, I'm just going over these past little notes here. Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. Um, okay, so as we're going on, oh, just one thing. Somebody, I, I just had a thought. Process. The minute any of us say, I'm done, got it, this is who I am, take it or leave it. I can't, I can't be like that. I'm not that kind of a person. Um, the minute we do that, we're done. And to take a brave stance, to try something new in the merit of holiness, in the merit of improving one's Jewish existence, I do indeed think that it is absolutely heroic. Nevertheless, it was brought to my attention, and uh, in a flip second, I'm thinking about it. You know, it's true. To do things, to secretly eat kosher and not tell anybody yet, it is on our own terms. And yet, I was told by two people during this trip, and I just smile sharing this because I thought one person I know when he was starting to feel spiritual, wanted to be more connected to his Jewishness. He put a mezuzah up, a mezuzah, the little, um, it's actually, well, you know, I'm going to spoil the story if I tell you what it really is. But we know on Jewish sign, uh, on Jewish doorposts, you know you're at a Jewish home because there's a little, a little box, a little rectangular box on the side. And we say, oh, this is the home of a Jew. Sometimes you see people kissing it. Um Inside that little box are the verses of the prayer, the Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, a prayer that everybody knows from the time that we're first being held in our mother's arms. And one person told me the story was he put this mezuzah up in his room, but what he didn't know is that it was just the empty box. There was no actual cloth, no parchment was inside of it. But that little move that was so personal, so about him, led to a life of Torah observance where he has sons and daughters who are givers, the medical providers and rabbis giving to the world because he once put up a box of plastic and was kissing this little plastic box thinking it was a, uh, a holy object. And you know what? It was. As we say, when we make Havdalah, when we make the separation from the uh, Sabbath to the weekday, we talk about the separation of the holy and the profane. And I would say it was the first time that plastic actually became holy. And then someone else told me uh, over the Sabbath that he too, I mean, a really a seriously religious guy whose life, he's a nephew by marriage, his life is a life of service. Imagine if all of us could get up every day and say, today will be a day of service. And he told me that the first time, sorry, I have to start laughing. Sorry, Andrew, I have to tell. The first mezuzah he ever put up, he purchased, he got it on Amazon. He apparently on Amazon, you can buy a pre-printed, machine-printed mezuzah. There's nothing about it that is... Um, 
that is religiously accurate or kosher. But again, taking the profane and making it holy. And I thought to myself, oh my, what a holy, holy uh, thing that was. So anyway, um, one small step, one small step. One small step to enshrouding ourselves with all that is holy, and it never stops. That's the joy. That will keep you young. That will keep you vibrant. Take out that line from your vocabulary. This is the way it is. This is the way I be. Okay? Oh, South Africa has joined us. Thank you. Good morning, South Africa and Norway. Well, so much for load shedding today. Let's run out and make our Sabbath before we know. Okay, um, yeah, so the difficulty in this week's show was, ironically, I mean, it was very, very personal because I suffer, I struggle, especially when you when you have a mic and you're, you're working somehow in some aspect of the media. What keeps people tuned in? People want to be interested. They used to have newspapers. They try, every generation tries to put out a newspaper. Good news only. And you know what? They're colossal failures on the larger so- social scale because we fool- nobody wants just good news. Perhaps we should, but we've been programmed to our eyes open up, our ears just perk a little more when something a little salacious is coming out. The idea of Lashon Hara, evil speech, what we do with it, is, um, you know, we've gotten so used to it. I was surrounded with a lot of Washington posts and New York posts. Uh, some would claim very, very different newspapers. You know what? That's the snobism. Not so different, despite, you know, one's arrogance. Because what takes over the front, front page? The most current smut, the most current, you know, whatever will sell the paper more, whether it's a politician who's involved with lies and cheating and wokeism or a movie star, a tattooed, sleeping with this one and that one and declaring what is moral and not moral. And we turn the pages and we read so much more. You know, um, there's a midrash that talks about Lashon Hara, evil speak, as compared to a sword. What's a sword? It's a weapon of destruction. Um, so, but there's another, there's a counter idea. So a sword, you could stab, you could kill, you could ruin, you can maim. But there's a different opinion that says that this evil, this rumor mongering, this filth, we talk, we spread, we laugh, we allow to fill the air of our homes. It's more like an arrow because the originator of the uh, later simile gave gave an explanation to this analogy. A person who raises a sword to kill his enemy, even at the last moment with the sword already on the enemy's neck, can decide to stop the brutal act. But an arrow, an arrow cannot be stopped once it is shot and leaves the bow. It's propelled, it's racing, it can't be retracted until it reaches its target. Same thing with slandering others. The moment the words leave the lips of the slanderer, can't be interrupted, can't be brought back. 
continuing as Rabbi, I think this is Rabbi Wine who says, it continues at the speed of sound while causing damage and destruction. You know, it's a serious, a grave, grave sin to use Lashon Hara while involving other humans, but the sin is even greater when we're talking about Klal Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, our holy Israel. The Mishnah tells us, and I'm quoting, we find that the judgment against our ancestors in the wilderness was sealed only because of their evil tongue. We're talking about the sin of the spies, who we call the Miraglim, through their slanderous report, their hate about the land that was promised by God. They were not sent in to bring back neutral reports. We have to be doubly careful when discussing Eretz Yisrael, our holy Israel. Oh, so easy, so easy to diss this place. But we were ensnared in that trap of Lashon Hara. We do more to embolden our enemies by speaking poorly of Israel than any rocket, any Hamas bomb or madman can ever do to us. By speaking kindly of Israel, by celebrating Israel, by being the embodiment of all that is holy in here, as is written in Sefer Tehillim, the book of Psalms, you shall see only the good in Yerushalayim so that you will be worthy to be blessed by God with a special blessing from Zion. If I seem to be a little all over the map today, I'm very, very aware that in the days that unfold, I had to come back. I had to come back to Israel. I couldn't stay another week because we have two Memorial Days, two Memorial Days that if you are outside of Israel at this time or, excuse me, have never experienced by being in Israel at this time, you can't possibly get it. We have two Memorial Days. Yom Hazikaron, that's the Memorial Days, that's the Memorial Day for holy soldiers who were slain. And then we have Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Yom HaZikaron reminds us of the cost of having a blessed Israel. And Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance Day, reminds us exactly of the cost of not having Israel. So, if we do nothing this week, let's promise to be kind to our holy, blessed Israel. See you on the other side.
And we're back. Oh my gosh, the show is racing this morning. There was so much I wanted to share today. Actually, this is our Devar Torah section, but I, just a couple of comments before. I just wanted to tell you, I was so tired. Um, you know, I think there's, I think that to be frightened, you have to be alert and you can be very tired that you're too tired. I had an experience when I was in the States, I rented a car. There's this company. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tout them because they're not paying me for ad space, but it's very interesting. It's like an Airbnb for cars. Um, it's much cheaper than, uh, second year I've done it. It's much cheaper than, uh, renting a car from a car company and <laughs> you're basically, renting someone else's car it's a spare car and it's, it's by the way anybody in israel getting this idea illegal here not allowed but so i borrow this person's car and i'm renting i'm all insured everything wonderful and i think it's my first night i was in maryland and i'm driving and I'm very very nervous because i'm very much an israeli driver and the code of road behavior <laughs> in Maryland is a little bit different than here in Israel. So I'm being very conscious. I don't want to be, um, I certainly don't want to get a ticket in America. And um, I'm driving and driving and lights turn. I don't drive well at night. And I turn left into this street and I see a car is coming right at me in that lane. It was like two lanes of traffic and I'm in the right lane because you drive on the right side note to South Africans. Anyway, um, and this guy is driving at me and I got quickly like just pull over and he pulls over properly. He probably wasn't paying attention and it was a little bit scary. And I thought to myself, somebody ought to get that guy's license. I mean, this is really, that could have been a tragedy. And I'm driving a little further and then another two cars are coming at me. And I'm thinking, does nobody know how to drive here? Well, apparently I had turned left into oncoming traffic. It was one of those city boulevards with a, a kind of a beautiful um, foliage between the two lanes of traffic. And I didn't make left into, I didn't shoot past enough to make a left into mine. I went into oncoming traffic. You know, thank goodness for these clever, slow, cautious careful drivers that I had immediately made an assumption had made a mistake. Anyway, I'm here to tell the story. But what I found most fascinating was that I wasn't even frightened. Um, you would think that something like that would have paralyzed me. I was too tired. It was almost like an out-of-body experience, right? I found it kind of fascinating. Oh, this must be what it's like to drive against traffic. Not funny. And anybody who has ever experience a terrible car accident. Anyway, it was just bad. Here to tell the story, and I was much more vigilant afterwards. All right. Um, ba, 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 ba. I'm not going to, deliberately not going to discuss uh, the horror experienced, committed against the D family, the blessed D family, this station I know did an, a uh, Yaoman job of presenting different facts, different viewpoints, and um, nothing I can say can do justice to both the outrage and the emerging and the emerged holiness 
But I will say, someone sent me a tweet that I liked very much, and I'd like to know your thoughts on it. By the way, people do write to me. Feel free to write, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Happy, happy, happy to receive your thoughts and um, answer your questions or even take ideas of things that you might want me to talk about on the show because this is your show. All right, so somebody sent to me, uh, this is reminded to me, okay, I'm stammering and stuttering. While I was in the States, um, a real do-gooder came over to me. Uh, I was at a family meal, and every year this family joins us for one meal. They are um, very proud, secular Jews who are interested, try to keep abreast of what's going on in Israel. Their take on life in Israel is a little different than my take. They really are sort of the Rodney King school of why can't we all get along? Uh, Why can't we all just get along? And only if we will, you know, give more, give seed more, give more, um, be more compassionate to those who will slay us, we could certainly live in peace. So it's a little rough for me each time because my viewpoint is different. And yet, being the resident Israeli and the resident Orthodox Jew, I find it both burdensome and a lofty challenge to keep my cool. And it was rough this year because um, this one fellow who visits us each year has taken to wearing a head covering. He is a proud, reformed Jew who speaks to the unaffiliated Uh, and to non-Jewish world about the meaning of being Jewish, and yet um, he he doesn't really, not really, he doesn't observe any of the tenets of Jewish life. So I find it a little difficult, although we've had some meaningful discussions, and he just told me very proudly that he just got back from Israel and um, meeting with judicial leaders and leaders of the anti-reform movement, meaning the judicial reform, and talked about the primitive lack of understanding of those who did not protest in the streets, block traffic, delay services at hospitals, um, those who are just blindsided and don't know the meaning of the Israeli flag. It was a very, very difficult visit, and I kept my cool. And I was reminded of this note that somebody said to me, and I would put it past this fellow who had so much to say, but so little to learn. And what I would say to him is, if you are silent when Arabs take explosives and light them up, inside mosques, if you are silent when 34 rockets are fired at Israeli civilians over Pesach, if you are silent when 44, 50, 70 rockets are fired at Israeli civilians in the south overnight, when hotels are closed and school children sit in shelters, If you are silent when Palestinians, e.g. Arabs, when terrorists 
shoot and kill a mother on vacation and her two daughters because they're Jews. You don't get to comment when Israel defends herself. You get to sit humbly, shut up, and say, I need to know more. I've always said that's the bracha, the greatest blessing of getting older is to finally, finally know so much less. Someone else also wrote to me, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. I didn't understand it, you know, on the Holocaust Remembrance Day, Yom HaShoah. Unspeakable to miss the meaning of that word, Holocaust, and use it when you walk home and see that your kids left the dishes all over the table and the laundry wasn't folded and say, whoa, what happened here? Looks like a Holocaust happened. There's a reason, a reason during this parsha of watching our tongues, watching what we have to say. There's a reason that I say the tongue is locked behind two gates the gates of the lip and the gates of the of the teeth. And I always wondered why it bothers me when I hear, when I see people writing up, never again, never again, never again. Well, if you use, how do you say, emojis that show hugs on Holocaust remote, Memorial Day, or show crying, the dripping tears as we see the railroad tracks. And yet you remain silent about present day, virulent, Jew hating, loathing acts of anti Semitism. Might be the time to question oneself and say, Maybe this is what is called hypocrisy. Um, yeah, cringy stuff. Let me just see here. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So I really have to get to this to our Torah. Okay, we have a lot of light stuff. You know what? No time for the light stuff. Next week after Yom, know, I don't know. I don't know if we're gonna have a show next week. I'll find, I'll talk to the engineer, but um to the producers, but you know, um this I'll save. <laughs> Does it, you think I'd be more? So a little jet lag, a little jet lag. I'm telling you, I was sitting in row 50 next to the bathroom. Not recommended unless, unless you need to get home to Israel. It's the last seat on the flight. Not so much fun eating that kosher meal as toilets are flushing next to your head. Just wanted to share that. Okay. Somebody sent me a photograph. It was a photograph and it was this, Beautiful, white carpeted, white walled, empty room, very pretty drapes, but the room is empty. And the note that came with this picture of this very pristine, beautiful room 
with an absolutely nothing in it. And the caption says, to the person who worries about what others may think or say about you, here is a room filled with all the people who pay your bills, walk in your shoes every day, determine your future, and love your family way more than you possibly could. These are the same people you should allow to discourage you. Let that sink in. I like that a lot. I actually put that up on my wall. Okay. All right. We're not going to talk about uh, gender clashing. Nope, not today. We're going to keep it holy. We're going into beautiful Shabbos. We're not going to talk about the Boston Marathon. Here we go. This is it. And this is how we're going to join our hands across the across the airways, across cyberspace, and share. You know, we're really coming up this week is a week. I always said, I remember one year I was in South Africa for, I believe it was, I think, five weeks. And I was in South Africa during the Shoah, Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance, Yom HaZikaron. There's no way to describe it. Memorial Day, and Yom Ha'atzma'ot, Independence Day. If you have never been in Israel, as these days bridge, morph into one another, then words cannot express the power, the absolute intense emotion that comes as we go from sadness and joy and understand the value and the preciousness of this holy land, this land that must never disappear, this land that must never cease existing, this land that must never, ever again fall to those who would dream of her destruction and pushing her into the sea. And we all have such power and such ability by holding our heads high and singing her praises, singing her praises. Don't be shy. Don't run. Don't hide. And certainly don't be a hypocrite. We're going to talk about, oh, geez, something that really has a big impact on our everyday life. And that is called leprosy. Say what, Andrea? Leprosy? Ah. The Torah, the blueprint, the blueprint of our lives. The disease called leprosy is a description um, of what occupies most of the subject matter in this week's Parshas, okay? I'm trying to shut up. My house is binging and binging and binging. I know who's binging me, okay? I think it's my good friend. Austin is binging me like crazy. All right, get back to you. Um, so, you know, the sin, the sin of Lashan Hora, of evil talk, unfortunately, is still very, very part and parcel of today. But apparently the consequences, ah, the consequences, this is what has become invisible. So there's one explanation given that that connection between Lashan Hora and Tzora'at, leprosy, is that Lashan Hora attempted to kill, to defame 
a person in private and in secret. You know, that secret stab in the back tactic. Oh, we all know it so well. She's so nice, but, um, you know, that family never really did have much taste. Or, I don't mean it, you know, if only they knew. So the punishment, because of that secret stab in the back, the punishment was a public, physical disfigurement able to be seen by all. But disfigurement is disfigurement only in relation to the appearance of the general population. Because if everyone is disfigured and looks alike, um, everyone has leprosy. No one is really disfigured. And that punishment has kind of lost the punch. So in biblical times, when Lashon Hora was not yet very commonplace, when people did not speak badly of one another, when they understood on a more visceral level how the crime, what it did to a populace, it was deemed a just punishment, a public exposure of the slanderer who secretly kills. But in later times, when the words of the Torah, quote, everyone is covered with the dust of Lashon Hara, the, the physical effects um, are lost. A society where everyone is ugly, where everyone talks the same, what is it? Talking the same smack. A society that is so vulgar, no one seems to be disfigured. Check out the front pages of your paper. You know, there's a further relationship to leprosy and Lashon Hara, evil speech. Speech is a gift. It's a precious gift of verbal communication. And it's a uniquely human characteristic. It's why I laugh when I come home from three weeks away and the dog tries to talk to me and gets high-pitched and low-pitched. But I don't fool myself. My dog doesn't speak. The Targum Onkelos, look it up, translates the phrase that God gave man the breath of life as meaning that God gave man the gift of speech and communication. There is nothing, therefore, more definitive of being human than, than the ability to speak and talk to others. There's nothing more dehumanizing than being horribly disfigured. I know this on a personal level. I have had clients in my makeup business who have come to me, come to me indeed under the guise of darkness, getting ready for a child's wedding and saying, I was born. I will never remember a woman being born with half of a face that was being, was just the product of reconstruction. The days before internet, she said to me, I must warn you before I come so that you will not be horrified when you see me. Our modern society, friends, has become much more tolerant of people suffering disfigurement than the society of our grandparents. There are no more circus sideshows. You all still feel, we must admit, that the disfigured person is just a little bit less 
than the rest of society. I have spent days walking through airports, being bombarded with face creams, perfumes, makeups, hair brushes, jewelries, adornment, adornment, adornment to become more beautiful, more acceptable. Thus, that gift of speech promotes the great concept of human uniqueness, while the punishment of disfigurement serves to minimize a person's humanity in the eyes of others. Gossip. Yentaism. Dehumanizes all of us. And before I even go on with my prepared text, I must remind you of the personal nature of this show, of what I, if I don't struggle with it, I don't share it. And so understand that which we attempt to work on together affects us all. It takes a holy vessel, speech, communicative ability, gossip. And what does it do? It defiles it. It turns it into a weapon. Sohorat, leprosy, came to remind us that basic lesson in life and that even though today's Sohorat is not visible, our reading and studying of this week's, these two Torah portions of the Shabbos serves as a, um, as a vehicle for us to think about and appreciate the gift of speech that's given to humans and arrange our speech accordingly. What am I doing now? I'm speaking into a wand of plastic and metal and a little sponge. I'm keenly aware that I have to wipe the dust of Lashon Hora from all of our bodies and all of our minds. You know, I think at this time, again, going back to those who take one small step in a world that would have us imitate one another and celebrate nothingness, celebrate baseness, I think about the holiness of Yitro, Jethro in modern parlance. Yitro's entire life illustrates this concept that no sacrifice is left unrewarded, whether it's putting up an Amazon-made mezuzah, foregoing cheeseburgers, making aliyah, or lining one's entire day tomorrow and forever with the Jewish people. When Moshe, Moses, first came to Midian, he saved Yitro's daughters from the shepherds as well. So let's just take a moment, not just read the text, not just say blah, blah, okay, more of that Torah thought. Let's consider for a moment. These girls were the daughters of the priest, the foremost citizen of Midian, the highest authority in the era. In the area. How is it that these lowly, poor shepherds should dare bother these princesses? Rashi gives us the answer. He tells us, Yitro rejected idol worship, and therefore the people ostracized him. 
Yitro's desire for truth led him to be alienated. Indeed, spit out from his own people and the ability, and he, he became unable to even find husbands for his daughters. Once again, his sacrifice did not go unrewarded. Moshe arose and saved them, is the quote. And through this, Yitro gained a son-in-law who led him to the truth that he was seeking. You know, it's important for us to remember that at the time, at that point of sacrifice, whatever it is, big or small, no prospect of reward is apparent. We don't do it to see what's behind door number three. The definition of sacrifice means that ability to give all, to give and give and give until it hurts in your belly. And in this case, to give all to God without any expectation of reward. This could be categorized as false and calculated. Rabbi Chaim Smulevitz comments, that a leper, this ties to the Yitro, reaching for the brass ring. A leper is considered as dead because he's prohibited from associating with the rest of Israel. Those of us who are not visible leper, lepers, but covered with the, des, the, the, the dust, the dust of Lashon Hora, the dust of leprosy, could today be indeed, according to Rabbi Smolovitz, disqualified from being with fellow human beings, from giving to or lending a helping hand to a friend. Coming on to Shabbos, candlelighting, bringing light where you can see in our holy homes, homes that we want to have free free of the schmutz, free of the dust, free of that which would make us less in God's eyes. Candlelighting, just before Shabbat, differs from other forms of candlelighting. The Rebbe Lubavitcher says, this candlelighting, the candlelighting of the Sabbath alone, brings peace and tranquility in the home and helps avert unexpected and adverse occurrences. Those are quotes. Moreover, in a spiritual sense, the Shabbos candles prevent the spreading of that ritual impurity associated with tzorat, leprosy. Although lighting prevents one from stumbling, only the Shabbat candle offers spiritual protection as well. Isn't that interesting? Physical stumbling versus spiritual stumbling. The Rebbe goes on. Other forms of light do not guarantee to further peaceful and harmonious relationships within the household. The very opposite may result. Subjecting someone to the merciless glare of objective illumination may shed uncomplimentary light upon him Relationships will result only when others are viewed in the light of the verse that teaches that a mitzvah is a candle and the Torah is illumination. I love this. This is very personal. Since the entire Torah was given to us in order to bring peace to the world, 
we have an opportunity to view others in the light of Torah, which will ultimately, not might, will ultimately lead to family unity and peace. And although all of the Torah and mitzvot, those are the commandments, um, those um, that piece is a mainly spiritual, but the illumination of the Shabbos candles has an additional merit to leading to interpersonal peace. You know, we're told by our sages that slander and evil gossip caused tzorat, caused this leprosy. With slander, brings strife and dissension, causing men to be distant from one another. He has no place in the congregation and is separated even from the other categories of unclean people. My son's favorite word, vilification. Vilification, discord, contention. What is this? The very antithesis to relationships rooted in peace, tranquility, harmony. What we all want from one another. When the darkness of the leper is so dense, the light radiated by Shabbat candles is the need of the hour. When I first became observant and I saw, I learned about preparing the Sabbath candles, I noticed that in many households, the husband set up the candles and indeed would light and quickly snuff the wick so that it would light more easily when his wife would later on, in order to bring in the Sabbath, light the candles. So I didn't know what that even meant. And I learned later that it's in keeping with this spirit of peace that is so critical to the Shabbat that in many homes, a husband customarily prepares the Sabbath Sabbath candles for his wife. Very nice thought, something I'm going to bring out to Ronnie today. Okay, in closing today, we know we've heard so often what you want for someone else, what you want for yourself, do unto others, or do unto others that which you want for yourself. An anonymous source on this week's Torah reading states, I couldn't find, you know, who wrote this source, came to me as anonymous, quote, a man can immediately see the faults of others, but not his own. And he finds the faults of strangers more readily than he finds of his own kin. So in the same vein, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, really one of my favorites, look Rabbi Pliskin up, buy his books. He quotes the Chafetz Chaim saying, one of the main reasons a person speaks against others is because he feels that he is superior to them. If a person is truly aware of his faults, however, he will not get the faults of others. It's a new season. It's a new Parsha. And soon, we will be beginning the Torah all over again. Let's put a rest to Lashon Hopa. Shabbat Shalom Umivorach from Jerusalem. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? 
At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leake City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Torres from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 